0: Okay, we're going to start our next session. We're on our, in our uh, April 2014 Spring um, Prosperity Seminar. We're going to begin our afternoon session by talking about uh, another law of increase. And right now we're going to talk about the law of sowing and reaping. The Law of Sowing and Reaping. Let's turn to Mark Chapter Twelve, <clears throat> Verse Forty One, Luke Twelve Forty One. And Jesus sat over against the treasury, and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury, and how many that were rich cast in much. And there came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites, which make a farthing. And he called unto him his disciples and saith unto them, Verily I say unto you, that this poor widow hath cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. For all they did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. God does not look at the amount you give, or the size of the check, he looks at percentage and the heart of the giver. God is not impressed with, with just a large amount. If it's not in faith, he's not pleased with it. Large or small, a uh, large and small are relative depending on what you have. So this widow only gave two mites. Uh, in, in money it, it was very little, but uh, Relative to what she had, this was a huge offering because it was it was all she had, it was all of her living, whereas the, the rich people were casting in more in terms of money, amounts, they were putting in more into the offering than she did, but relative to what they had, they only gave a small amount according to what Jesus said because uh, they, they were uh, giving out of their abundance. What, what they gave was not in faith. And what they gave uh, was just kind of pocket change to them. You know, even though it, it may have been uh, a larger amount of money, it was just pocket change. And uh, they, they didn't give in faith. So Jesus was watching what went on in the offering. Do you suppose Jesus is still watching what is put in the offering? In a lot of churches, they will tell you no. They will tell you that money's not important to God. They will tell you it is worldly, it is trivial, and it doesn't matter to God. Mm-hmm. This is not what Jesus said, and the Bible has a lot to say about it. <clears throat> of the entire Bible talks about money, real estate, or material possessions that can be turned into money. Now I haven't meticulously counted up every scripture, but I would be willing to say that the Bible talks a whole lot more about finances than it does even heaven or hell. Twenty percent of the entire Bible talks about this subject. If it was important enough for Jesus to watch people given to the offering, it should be important to us. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever, Hebrews 13, verse 8. In many churches and to many Christians, the offering is not a spiritual time, it's just what they do so they can pay some bills. Uh, Many churches and ministries don't say anything about money. They just pass the bag. We've already talked about that. It's just something that they have to do. Uh, They don't really have a revelation about what they're doing. It's not life to them. But I tell you, when this word puts food on your table and pays your bills and cancels your debts, it becomes life. And it becomes Revelation, and it's not just some religious history book. When it's you, a real good plan, isn't it? Amen. Amen. It is. I mean, only God could come up with something that wonderful. And that's simple, really. Yeah. You know, it, it's really, the Bible's really very
1: simple. We tithe, and if those people that we tithe do, they tithe on, on it, mm-hmm. and they give it give it elsewhere, and it's just a con- continued flow of money going
0: around helping
1: God's children.
0: Mm-hmm, mm mm-hmm. yeah. It's just a cycle of blessing, isn't it? Oh. Every, everybody gets blessed. So when you get truth, it sets you free, and you begin to get excited about these things. The Bible says that money is one of the acceptable forms of worship. The widow didn't put in more in the offering in terms of money uh, because rich people were putting in large amounts. But Jesus said that she put in more than they did. Percentage-wise, she gave a much uh, much higher percentage of of what she had than the rich people did. And that's what God looks at. He's looking at your heart, and He's looking at what you have left. It's not just what... We give, he's looking at what we have left in relation to what we have given. Um, So let's talk some about sowing and reaping. If you sow, you will reap. Let's say that all together. If I sow, I will reap. One more time. If I sow, I will reap. Most people have only ever heard this in a negative context. You know, on the negative side, they'll say, you're going to reap what you sow. You know, you, uh, uh, something bad or something negative they've done. You know, that, that's usually the context that people uh, relate to concerning sowing and reaping. But the same principle is true over on the positive side. If you give, it will be given to you. This is a law. It is a spiritual law. Uh, This is not something that just works once in a while, Uh, but also uh, another law that we won't get into today, but another law says you do not reap in the same season that you sow. So there's a season for sowing and there's a season for reaping. So, uh, in other words, it's not instant, usually. You know, uh, a a miracle is something that's instant. But uh, normally, it takes a while for things to grow. You you sow something in the ground, and there's usually a period of time until there's harvest. Uh, Let's look at 2 Corinthians 9. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6. And I'm going to read this from the NIV. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. The Living Bible says, but remember this. If you give little, you will get little. A farmer who plants just a few seeds will get only a small crop. But if he plants much, he will reap much. If all the Christians really believed God's word, they would be begging God to take more than 10%. If they really believe these laws, they will be looking for ways to give more. They wouldn't be fussing over whether or not they should give 10% and be looking for an escape clause, you know, out, out of giving. Uh, even in the natural world, out in the, uh, you know, the just the world system, a basic principle of increase is to invest, whether it's stocks or real estate or whatever, uh, that's, that's just a natural principle of, of increase, is to invest in something. And the best investment is to invest in the things of God, the work of God, and the people of God. There's nothing better you can invest your money into other than the things of God. Uh, in the world, uh, if, if you invest in the stocks or real estate, they can lose their value so potentially you you could be worse off uh investing in something in the world you could be worse off than you were before you even invested in it but god's stock never goes down and it never loses value praise god so many people never think of giving to god as an investment everything you give to a church a ministry Ministers, a brother or sister in Christ, or even an unsaved person. Everything you give, think of it as a seed sown, and you should expect a return on it. Uh, Now I'm just going to give a little qualifier here, and I'm I'm not going to expound on this right now, but... uh, concerning you know giving into church and ministries there should there, there's some criteria they should meet in order to be considered good ground uh and so we only want to sow into good ground really because that's where we're going to uh you know that's where we're that that's how we're going to to reap a return uh is according to the ground that we sow in so we want to we want to sow in good ground. That's the one that produces 30, 60, and 100 hundredfold return. In the natural world, you would research a company before investing in it. But when it comes to spiritual things, most people don't do that before they put their money into it. They just kind of plunk their money in, but they would never do that uh, out in the world if they were investing in a company. So think of our giving as an investment to God, not something that you are just throwing away. You are not giving just for the sole motive of receiving a return, but you need to look at it as an investment. Uh, in the world, people expect a return only on their investment. I mean, they would, you know, uh, they'd be crazy not to expect a return. People would never invest in something out in the world and not expect a return on it. Uh, Let's turn back to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. Now the context here is mercy and forgiveness, but the principle applies to anything that you sow. Let's read uh, Luke 6:38. Give, and it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, and shaken together, and running over, Shall men give into your bosom, for with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. If you sow mercy, you're going to reap mercy. If you sow, sow judgment, you're going to reap judgment. If you sow flower seeds, you're going to reap flowers. If you sow flower seeds, do you reap peaches? No. <laughs> You only reap peaches when you have sown peach seed. This is the law. This is the law of seed time and harvest. Everything reproduces after its own kind. Uh, Now hold your place in Luke, because I think we're going to come back there. But uh, turn over a few pages to Galatians. Galatians 6, verse 7, be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. This is really the same thing Jesus said, this is just Paul saying it in in, in a, a bit different way. Uh, let's say this together again. When I sow, when I sow, I will reap. I will, I will reap. reap. When I, sow, when I sow, sow, I will reap. I will, I will, I will reap. reap. This is not only a natural law, it is a spiritual law. And this principle applies to every realm and every dimension. Uh, You remember in Mark chapter 4 and Matthew chapter 13, Jesus taught on what we call the parable of the sower. And he used natural things to teach spiritual principles. The sower sowed the seed, which represents the word of God. And he sowed on four different types of ground. And it produced uh, different results. The disciples asked Jesus to explain this to them. And Jesus said, if you don't understand this, how will you understand all these other things? If you don't understand this parable, you won't be able to understand any of the parables. Uh, The whole kingdom of God, which is the government of God, God's way of doing things, operates On this principle of sowing and reaping and it is all-inclusive. If you sow favor to others, you will receive favor from others. If you are hard with people, other people will be hard with you. So whenever you are in a situation where you have an opportunity to judge someone or to have mercy, recognize it as an opportunity to sow. If you are ever in that situation, you're going to want to receive mercy. Make sure you sow what you want to reap. Sow love, mercy, and forgiveness. Sometimes people have sown bad seed, and they get a bad outcome, and they blame it on the devil and other people. And sometimes they just sowed bad seed, and they just reaped what they sowed. Um they they just open the door to the devil and and uh you know by sowing wrong seed, bad seed. If we want money, favor, good deals, nice things coming our way, what do we have to do? We have to sow what we want, don't we? What whatever we whatever area we want to reap in, that's what we have to sow. So uh notice in these scriptures it says whatsoever a man soweth that shall he also reap you notice it doesn't say reaping and then sowing it says sowing first and then reaping so a farmer wouldn't expect a harvest before he sows we believe in confession but there's more to prospering in God than just making good confessions. There are additional things that we have to do. Uh, what if a farmer just sat out on the front porch and said, uh, I confess that I'm going to harvest 400 acres of wheat this year. And somebody asked him, well, how many acres have you sown? <laughs> Depends, his harvest is going to depend on how many acres he's sown. Mm-hmm. Uh, and your confessions are based on what you have sown. In the case of the farmer, he's going. if, if he's sown zero, he's going to reap zero. I don't care if it's a hundredfold, it's still going to be zero.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So Jesus talked about 30 times, 60 times, and 100 times multiplication. uh Let's turn to Matthew 7. Matthew 7, verse 12. Therefore, all things whatsoever you would that men should do to you, do you even so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Did Jesus say, whatever you would that men should do unto you, confess that it will happen? No. He said, whatever you would that men do to you, you do to them. So, if you're confessing for someone to give you money, you give money to somebody else. Mm. So, so our confession is based on what we have sown. Yes, after we sow, we confess the Word of God over it and we water that seed. But we we can't start making confessions over something we haven't even sown. The sowing comes first, then the watering with the Word of God. And then the harvest. When you have sown, you have every right to reap where you have sown. Uh, Jerry Savell says, "What you make happen for someone else, God will make happen to you," and that's really what Jesus said here in Matthew 7:12. If you want to reap in a specific area, you need to sow into that area. Sow in the manner you would like to reap. if you want to reap more in that area sow more in that area if you want people to respond promptly when God deals with them then respond promptly when God deals with you about giving to someone else uh, we won't turn there right now but uh, you can write down the scripture Proverbs 3 verse 27 and 28 Proverbs three twenty seven twenty eight. 28 it says withhold not good from them to whom it is due when it is in the power of thine hand to do it say not unto thy neighbor go and come again and tomorrow I will give when thou hast it by thee when you have it and you know it's right do it now and don't wait some people don't have a hard time giving, but they have a hard time receiving. And I find that very much the case in this country. I find people have a very difficult time receiving because you know, they've just never been taught to receive. Uh, and uh, I think in, in a lot of ways it's pride involved um, and pride keeps people from, from receiving. Um, you know, religion has trained people not to receive, uh, but in some cultures it's a major insult to refuse someone's gift. Uh, they take it that, that the gift, uh, you know, that, that they nor the gift uh, is good enough. And, and then if you, if you don't receive a gift from them that you're, you're kind of saying that you don't want to fellowship Uh, with them, or you don't want to have anything to do with them. So in in some cultures, it's it's, uh, uh, an insult to refuse a gift. Other people think, you know, well, you didn't hear from God, you just missed it, you know. Um, But uh, Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. Uh, In other words, it's more enjoyable. It's more enjoyable to give than to receive one of the greatest joys i have had is to just take somebody to town and buy them a new pair of shoes or you know take them shopping or something that you know i i probably enjoy that more than going to shop for myself you know it's just a thrill to be able to do that for someone and if you haven't done it then then i suggest you try it sometime because it's Uh, You know, it's a great joy, and it's a real thrill. You don't know what you're missing if you haven't done that. Giving extends beyond the offering plate. Yes, we give to support God's work, but it needs to become a way of life. Jerry Savell calls it living to give. Living to give. When you get a revelation in this area, it goes beyond just doing a good thing or obeying the word. It is one of the chief expressions of the God kind of love to give. The nature of the flesh is selfish. The flesh wants to see how much it can get, but love gives. In 1 John chapter 3, 1 John three seventeen and 18, it says, But whosoever hath this world's good, and seeth his brother, have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Uh. So when love is dominating you, what do you want to do? You want to give. You know, you enjoy giving. Uh, This is not just limited to money. There are many ways we can give to other people. We can give encouragement. We can give. uh, We can share the word. We can share a testimony. Uh, Give something. You know, it doesn't have to be money. It doesn't always require money. Uh, And I know, uh, you know, I've known most of you long enough to know that you have a habit of doing that. You have a habit of giving, you know, you share your testimony, you share a word, you're encouraged. You know, we have times of giving testimony. Here, uh, you know, people have already shared things this morning, and uh, uh, it's uplifting. Uh, You know, it encourages other people, and sometimes that's exactly what they need to hear. Uh, But sometimes people don't need prayer or encouragement. Sometimes they need cash. And that's why we want to be blessed, and we want to be a blessing. So in those times, sometimes people just need cash. And we don't have to think about it. We can just reach in our pocket and say, how much do you need? You know, that's a a kind of position we want to be in. Um, There's a saying, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Uh, You know, you might not be able to pay somebody's car off for them, uh, you know, or you might not be able to do it all in one go, but you start where you are. Uh, You might make a car payment for them for several months, you know. Uh, I remember once when I was in London, uh, where I was going to church, you know, we had a home group there during the week, and uh, one of the guys there was going to Bible school somewhere in London, and he was going on a motorcycle, and... uh, He had to put his motorcycle in the shop for something. It was in the shop for a few weeks having some work done on it. And he was uh, riding a bicycle all the way across London or halfway across London to go to Bible school. And it was cold and it was rainy and you know, just you know what it's like. And uh, a few days later I was doing something that was not spiritual at all. I was just cleaning the bathroom floor. And the Lord just spoke to me. I didn't hear an audible voice. But he just said, why don't you pay for him to take the tube to Bible school while while his motorcycle's in the shop. And he doesn't have to ride this bike to Bible school. I thought, yeah, that's that's a good idea. You know, so that's okay. So the next meeting, I saw him and I told him, I said, the Lord's put it on my heart to pay for your public transport to go to Bible school, so you don't have to ride a bike. Well, he was thrilled, you know, because it was, mm. you know, pouring rain and freezing and all this, you know. So he, and he he received it, yeah. yeah. Yeah, not so bad when the weather's good, yeah. but, but you know what it's like uh, in the spring and, and winter. So, uh, so he agreed to it, and so for, I don't know, it was a month or so that his motorcycle was in the shop And I bought him a tube ticket every week to go to Bible school. So, you know, just begin where you are. You know, I I was in a position that I could do that, you know. I couldn't, uh, you know, I, I was able to do it. So I did it. Praise God. That's just where you start. Do everything you know to do, but don't claim to be the provider in your house. Don't ever tell your kids or grandkids you can't afford something. Where does a poverty mentality come from? What people say mostly Mm -hmm. expressions. You know, um, where do you think, you know, you think we're made out of Mm -hmm. money or do you think money grows on trees and expressions Mm -hmm. like that. That develops a poverty mentality. Uh, especially in children when they're growing up. So teach them how to sow and believe God. They can sew toys. They can sew money. I know uh, the first church I went to in London, there was a, a lady there who was a single mother. She had taken her cousin's little boy to raise because the mother died. Ooh. She took the the little boy on to raise, and he was probably about five or six at the time. And he wanted a new bicycle for Christmas. And uh, she didn't really have the money to buy it. So she said, go get your piggy bank and let's see how much money you got. So he had 10 pounds in his piggy bank. And uh, she said, okay, let's take a pound and we're gonna take it to church and we're gonna give it to God well he didn't want to give a pound he wanted to give the whole 10 pounds so he took the whole 10 pounds to church and he sowed that 10 pounds believe in god for a new bicycle well a few weeks later somebody turned up at his door with a brand new bicycle now i don't know how you know i don't know anything about i just know the little boy sowed that seed and he got his bicycle. Now you know he will never forget that. I mean, he will never forget yeah. that. And so, uh, you know, that's why you know it's it's so good. I mean, I wish I w- we all wish we would have known things like that. We've been taught like that yeah. when we were little, yeah. don't we? You know, I wish you know it'd been great if we would have been brought up that way. But uh, you know, it, it's wonderful that uh, you know when children can can grow up learning these things because it's so easy for them to believe you know that that it's just so easy for them to believe I mean that little boy is gonna know that bicycle came from Jesus it didn't come from Santa Claus it didn't come from the tooth fairy and it didn't come from the Easter Bunny you know he's gonna know that bicycle uh, came from Jesus so don't limit yourself to your job as your source it may be a channel a blessing uh, a channel whereby God can bless you but it's not your source uh, and so don't limit yourself to just your job there's no shortage of money <clears throat> I haven't looked it up in in the UK but uh, they say in America there are more $100 bills in circulation than $1 bills and I haven't looked up the statistics here. I don't know if they're more hundred pound notes than pound coins or not. I don't know. But apparently that's the case. So there's no shortage of money. I'm telling you, there's no shortage of money. Now let's go back to Luke uh, 6.38. It's on the call.
2: Uh-huh. You pass it on the card. <laughs> you don't see the
0: money. That's, they, that's where the money. Personally, is I prefer cash yeah. myself. But, yeah, I prefer. If you're looking at the other. I one. happen not to have <laughs> any in, in my pockets today, but I prefer cash. Uh, I just didn't take time to to stop off this morning, but uh, let's go back to Luke six thirty eight. Uh, when you sow. Jesus said, you can expect to receive back good measure, pressed down, shaken together. This uh, phrase, good measure, is translated from the Greek word antimetreo, and it means back in return. When you sow one seed of corn, you don't get one seed back. You get a, a whole stalk of corn, with five or six or more cobs on it, and each of those cobs has hundreds of seeds on it. Mm-hmm. So from that one seed of corn, you got six or seven cobs of corn, and each of those have hundreds of seeds on it. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, we—what if you sowed one seed of corn and you went out, and you went out to the stalk? and you found one cob and you pull back the, um, the shuck on it, and there was one kernel of corn on there, and that's the one that you sowed. I mean, it just wouldn't be right, would it? So that's not the, the way the law of, of, of sowing and reaping works. You know, even in the natural harvest, you sow one seed of corn, you get hundreds of seed back. And the same is true with finances. Uh, So so don't don't limit God. Just believe God's word and the the multiplication principle of sowing and reaping. Now, there's a common, a characteristic that is common to all people. who are are truly prosperous and successful. And that characteristic is this. They are generous. That is one characteristic that is common to all truly prosperous and successful people without fail they are generous. They, they, they have a spirit of generosity. Um, the one thing you have to overcome is stinginess. God will never steal from you. When he asks you to give something, he will not leave you empty-handed. No. When you give to him, you are sowing and investing, and it will come back to you fold. God never forgets a seed sown. <clears throat> now let's turn to, uh, uh, hold your place there in Luke again, and let's turn back to Proverbs chapter 11. <clears throat> Proverbs 11, 24, and 25. There is that scattereth, and yet increaseth. And there is that withholdeth more than is meet, but it tendeth to poverty. The liberal soul, or the generous soul, you could say, the generous person will... Uh, shall be made fat and he that watereth shall be watered also himself. In your giving, don't be led by needs. Don't be led by sob stories. Don't be led by looks and appearances. Be led by the Spirit of God. Let's turn back to Luke again. Luke 6. As I said earlier be ready to give and have a heart to give whether it's encouragement prayer wisdom money just you know just have a giving spirit sometimes a word of encouragement can be so meaningful just like what Rosemary said this morning you know to me that 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 was very meaningful but and you know people think it's not a big deal but sometimes You know, especially when you're up against, uh, you know, it, it, one word can be very meaningful and sometimes it can make the difference between, you know. Well, I've actually said
2: to a person, oh, I like what she was wearing mm-hmm. and her face literally changed. Mm-hmm. She was mm-hmm. looking a bit sad and that and it really cheered her up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, amen. Yeah. Praise God. Um, this... This uh, verse, Luke 6.38 in the Living Bible says, Whatever measure you use to give, large or small, will be used to measure what is given back to you. In other words, if you give in tens, you will reap multiplication of tens. If you give in twenties, you reap multiplication of 20s. If you give hundreds, you reap multiplication of hundreds. Now, this is similar to what Jesus said in Mark 4 when he talked about the sower sows the word. Uh, As I said earlier, there is no increase in God without the word of God. And in Mark 4, Verse 24, Jesus said uh, a a very similar statement. With what measure you meet, or with what measure you measure, it shall be measured to you. And to you that hear shall more be given. Now, in both of these scriptures, in Luke 6.38 and Mark 4.24, Jesus is saying, with what measure you measure, it will be measured back to you. In other words, God is not the one deciding how it comes back to you. We're the ones that determine how it comes back to us. According to what we sow. So, it's not, it's not God deciding what comes back to us. He's not the one who measures By the way we give, we're the ones that determine how we receive back. We determine the measuring stick God uses to measure back to us. When you sow by the teaspoonful, it comes back multiplied in teaspoons. When you sow by the shovelful, it comes back multiplied by the shovel. You you get it? Okay. Have a vision to raise your giving up to the next level. When you need to get ahead, you will put the priority on your giving instead of getting a bigger TV. Amen. You understand what I mean? If if, if you want if you uh, if you need more money coming in, what do you do? You increase your giving that's the way increase comes to you that's the way you cause money to come to you uh, so if you need more you give more <coughs> increase your giving uh, I've just decided to increase mine again just because I'm. I want more I need more I need more coming in to do things like this what we're doing today so I'm increasing my giving, amen. And so more's going to come in. You start where you are, probably with the teaspoon. <laughs> we all pretty much start with the teaspoon, but let's don't stay with the teaspoon, amen. Let's work our way up to the shovel full, and then we go to the dump truck, and then we go to the <laughs> warehouse, amen. <laughs> That's where I want to head. I want to hit that the warehouse stage when I can give a warehouse, and then I can get received back in the warehouse uh, warehouse multiplications. That's where we're headed. Amen. Praise God. Anybody need a break before we carry on? You doing okay? Yeah, I have a top up. Yeah, thank you. That was just kind of a brief, uh, brief overview, uh, simple overview of, of sowing and reaping. This is, real. Mm-hmm. This is real. And um, like I said, there's no way we can cover all the laws of harvest today, but we're going to hit a few of them. <clears throat> Let's um, <coughs> let's let's move on to another law of increase. Um, the next law of increase we're going to talk about is the law of stewardship. The law of stewardship. Uh, we're in Luke. Let's just turn over a few pages to Luke 16. Luke 16. Verse 10. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. If therefore ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? Now, it seems only natural that if you were faithful in spiritual things, then God would trust you with money and wealth. But that's not what Jesus said. He said just the opposite. He said we must first be faithful in money matters, and then God will trust us with true riches, in other words, uh, spiritual and eternal matters. He said first we must be faithful in money matters, and then God will be able to trust us with More responsibility and more important things. Let's turn to Second Kings Chapter twenty two. Second Kings twenty two. And this is a situation where the the temple is in need of repair. And in verse 4, it says, Go up to Hilkiah, the high priest, that he may sum the silver which is brought into the house of the Lord, which the keepers of the door have gathered of the people. And let them deliver it unto the hand of the doers of the work that have the oversight of the house of the Lord. Talking about the construction workers. And let them give it to the doers of the work which is in the house of the Lord to repair the breaches of the house unto carpenters and builders and masons and to buy timber and hewn stone to repair the house. Um, So, who did the king call on to supervise and repair the house of God? He chose men who could be trusted with money. Mm. These were the men who the king called on to supervise and repair the house of God. Verse 7 says, how be it? There was no reckoning made with them of the money that was delivered into their hand because they dealt faithfully. These men had already dealt faithfully in the financial area and proven they could handle their financial affairs. And these are the men that were called on to to oversee uh, and supervise this uh, construction uh, in, in the temple. These men were so faithful in their finances, they were not even required to keep receipts for their spending. That's what verse 7 is saying. They were not even required to keep receipts for their spending. The New Living Translation says, but don't require the construction supervisors to keep account of the money they receive." for they are honest and trustworthy men. The New American Standard Bible says, Only no accounting shall be made with them for the money delivered into their hands, for they deal faithfully. Jesus promised us that if we are faithful in financial matters, we will be faithful in spiritual matters and will be given spiritual responsibility. If you are faithful with little, then God will add more to you. That's what Jesus said there in Luke 16. This is not just limited to money. More revelation, more anointing, more responsibility, more money. Uh, Turn over a few pages to the right to 1 Chronicles 29. 1 Chronicles 29. This is concerning offerings that David and the people brought for the building of the temple. And in verse 12 of 1 Chronicles 29, David said, Both riches and honor come of thee. So he acknowledged that both riches and honor come from God. And thou reignest over all, and in thine hand is power and might, and in thine hand it is to make great and to give strength unto all. Now therefore, our God, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. Verse 14. But who am I and what is my people that we should be able to offer so willingly after this sort? For all things come of thee, And of thine own have we given thee. Verse 14 literally literally reads, Everything, David said, Everything that exists is from you, God, and we administrate it from your hand. That's what it literally says. Now, remember back our text scripture, we started out with Psalm 115, verse 16. The heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth has He given to men. God has given the earth to us to administrate and oversee. Now the Bible word for administrator or manager is the word steward. The word steward. Steward. It's it's the Greek word, oikonomos, and it's where we get our English word, economics. That's, that's where the, uh, what is translated as the word student in the Bible. A manager, an administrator, or an overseer. And that's really what we are. You know, we, we, we take what God uh, entrusts to us, and we oversee it, we manage it, and we administrate it. And Jesus said, if you're faithful to do that in little things, God will promote you with more responsibility, and He will give you greater things to be steward over and manager over. This word, steward, means to arrange a house. That's what it means in the, in the Greek, to arrange a house. The word originally referred to the manager of a household or a state, and then in a broader sense denoted an administrator or a steward in general. That's really the position uh you know that Joseph had in Potiphar's house. He was head, he he was made administrator, he was put in charge of all that man's household and possessions. He that's what he was. He was a steward. They were not his possessions, but he was so faithful. Uh and Potiphar recognized, you know, that he was a, a man of God, a man of integrity. Uh, and that he was anointed in that area, and Potiphar put him over all, all administrating all of his estate, which was vast. David understood that he was a steward, and that what he gave to God for the building of the temple had come from God, and it didn't really belong to him. Uh, you know Deuteronomy 8.18 that says, it is God that giveth thee power to get wealth in order to establish his covenant. So even our power to get wealth has come from God. And to me, it is astounding that the majority of Christians in the world cannot and will not acknowledge that everything they have has come from God. By honoring him with the tithe and the first fruits of their increase. I just find it astounding that they they cannot acknowledge that everything they have has come from God. Even our earning power comes from God. Now, let's turn to uh, 1 Corinthians 4. First Corinthians four. First Corinthians four, verse two. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Now you notice the common word in this scripture. And a common word Jesus used in Luke 16, the same word is used in both scriptures. Jesus said, if you're faithful and little, you will be faithful over much. This says, 1 Corinthians 4, 2, it is required among stewards that a man be found faithful. Paul did not say it is suggested or recommended in stewards that they be found faithful. He said it's a requirement. It is a requirement in stewards that they be found faithful. God requires that we be faithful in money and little things in order to be promoted with more responsibility as stewards over more. Hallelujah. Let's turn to Matthew 25. is uh the parable of the talents and the word talent here the context here uh, a talent was a sum of money jesus was not talking about dancing talent or singing talent okay talent is, was a sum of money and in verse 14 it says for the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. Notice the word, the phrase, his goods. He's not giving this money to them and saying, this is your money to do whatever you want to do with. This was his money that he had entrusted to three men while he was away. Um. so it says in verse 15 and to one he gave five talents to another two and to another one to every man according to his several ability what is the ability of a steward to do what the master said amen <laughs> do what, the, what whatever the master tells you to do Good. that's what that's what the steward does Verse sixteen Then he had received, then he that had received the five talents, went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. And likewise he that had two received two, and he also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. Now this unjust steward, the one that that had one talent and uh, did nothing with it. He made no effort to increase it. He just went and hid it and buried it. This man made two mistakes with his master's money. First of all, he thought his master wanted to rob him. And in some churches when you start talking about money, Many Christians think God wants to rob them and get their money. The second mistake he made, he thought the money he would earn was his own instead of his master's. It was not his money to begin with. It was never his money. It was his master's money, and he had just been put in charge of it to to administrate it. And the master expected him... make an increase. So again, God expects us to increase. God rewards increase. That's what this whole parable is is about. God rewards faithfulness and he rewards faithfulness with increase. That is the law of stewardship. Uh, Unlike the world today, you know, all this fairness, Stuff, you know, uh, we, we, you got to be fair according to, to the world system. Well, the world system would have done this just opposite of Jesus. They would say, oh, no, 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 you take away from the one that has ten and you make him give to the one that only has one because you got to, it's not fair that he has ten and he's only got one. That's, that's 21st century idea of fairness. That is not the way the kingdom of God operates. Jesus said, no, you take away, you take away the one that buried it and you give his one to the one that already has ten. That's the way God operates. That's the way the kingdom of God operates. God rewards faithfulness with increase. And that's what the law of stewardship is all about. We are not independent operators. Even our earning power comes from God. These two faithful stewards who increased their master's money were caretakers of their master's money. They, they were not the owners. They were just the caretakers. But because they were faithful over what their master had entrusted with them, they were rewarded with more. And if you put God and His things first and operate as a faithful steward, the Lord will take proper care of you. Amen? Hallelujah. God improved the lifestyle and the standard of living of both of these stewards. Most Christians today are trying to do just the opposite. They're trying to improve their lifestyle so they can give more into the gospel. But God wants us to uh, be faithful stewards and He will increase our lifestyle. He will Add these things to us and he will increase our standard of living because we've been faithful in money matters and financial matters. We've been faithful stewards. God wants to develop faithful stewards who are managers of his assets. God wants us to establish a stewardship that will allow him to say like he did to these two wise stewards. Well done, good and faithful servant. Because you have been faithful over a few things, I'm going to make you ruler over many things and elevate your lifestyle that will provide you with a better quality of life. Amen? Mm So, uh... We start where we are. That, and that's why, you know, people say, well, when I get a lot of money, I'm going to do so and so. It ain't gonna happen. We we got to start out, you know, where you are, you've got X amount. And as you are faithful over that and and, and you prove yourself faithful to God in the area of, of money and financial matters, I'm telling you, God will promote you and He and, and He'll begin to move you up the latter. Increase will begin to come. Increase will begin to come. Hallelujah. And when God blesses us and increases us, it will be even better than what we could have even provided for ourselves. When we understand that we are stewards and not owners, we are no longer giving to God that which is ours. We are merely redistributing that which is God's, and that that will you know in the area of giving that will begin to to help you develop this living to give uh, lifestyle when you uh, realize that um, you know yes we give God ten percent and technically all the other ninety percent is ours but if we if we look at things as we're really just uh, managing what God has given us, then when he asks us to give something, it's not so difficult, you know, because uh, it's, we, if we don't claim ownership to it, it's, it's not so difficult to give away, you know. Uh, if we think we're, we're, we're just giving away what's already God's, it doesn't stick to you so bad, you know. It's not so difficult... To give something away, if you realize that you're not really the sole owner of it, you're just distributing what already belongs to God. Let's say this together. Our motivation
3: motivation.
0: for accumulation
3: accumulation.
0: is redistribution. redistribution.
3: Redistribution.
0: Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. It is possible to tithe give and make good confessions increase more but still not prosper and what I mean by that is uh, when people increase they get more money coming into them uh, if they use that increase to go out and borrow more money or get deeper in debt or just spend more they're not prospering even though they've got more money coming in, because if you got more money coming on the front side, but more money going out the back side, you still haven't gained anything. You're you're still where you were. the The numbers just got bigger. So uh, they may have more money coming coming in th- than they've ever had, but they got more going out than they've ever had as well. So there's they haven't gained anything. They're still in the same place financially. They haven't made any progress. Uh, the more they make, the more they spend. That's the way, you know, a lot of people live, and, and, and they keep thinking, I need more money. You know, I haven't got enough money, but uh, what the, all they did was increase their spending. So, um, you know, and then if there's anything left over, then they give uh brother Hagen said one of the reasons why some people will never prosper is because they just can't manage money and i don't care how little or how much it is some people just cannot i mean if you gave them 10 pounds like could, they couldn't manage it you know um they, it'd be gone and they'd have nothing to show for it which is basically what this guy with the one talent did He he had nothing to show Uh, when when the master came back. He had nothing to show for it. So having more coming in does not necessarily define someone as prosperous. This is where stewardship and the wisdom of God comes in. Uh, You know, the people who criticize us, they accuse us of accumulating a lot of stuff, just to consume on ourselves. That is not what we teach. That's not what I'm teaching today. God wants us to have plenty and he wants us to have the best, but he is big on stewardship. Amen? Yeah. Mm. Contrary to what most Christians have been taught, prosperity is not just getting a lot of things and living like the devil. You have to learn how to have wisdom with things and be led by the Holy Spirit with things. Learn when and what to do with things in order to be prosperous. People overextend themselves financially, sometimes just trying to act like they're prosperous. You know, they just kind of put on a front these are these are what we call the wannabes uh there's a book uh called the millionaire next door i haven't read it i went in the bookstore uh one trip i was in america i went in the bookstore to look for it and while i was looking for it i found another book the same man had written called the millionaire woman next door and i that's the one i bought uh still think I need to go back and read the Millionaire next door, but what he does, he dispels all the myths that people have about millionaires and the way they live. Uh, when you say millionaire, most people think of the very, very tiny minority of people who live this jet set lifestyle, you know, Wayne Rooney, David Beckham, Posh, Beckham, all these, you know, yeah. Uh, when you think of millionaires, that's what people think of. Those people only make up about 4% of all millionaires in the world. Most millionaires don't live a high-jet-set lifestyle like that, a high-profile lifestyle. And that's why this man named that book The Millionaire Next Door. You might be living to a millionaire next door, and you don't even know it because in his book, He explains that most millionaires live in modest homes. They drive modest cars. Uh, He, you know, he had all. I mean, this. If you don't like statistics, don't read this book because it's charts and tables and, you know, I don't know where he got his statistics. But he, he's done surveys of all these people and age groups and income levels and all this. but But he says. Most millionaires will not pay more than $500 for a suit. End of story. They will not pay more than $100 for a pair of shoes. And that totally dispels all the myths that people have, really, about millionaires, because you read about all these so-called celebrities and their big shopping sprees on Bond Street and all this. And that does not represent the minority of millionaires. Those are a, a tiny... Uh, percentage of people who are actually millionaires so so the real million it, it it's the wannabes that they try to put put this front on you know um, that and they overextend themselves they gotta have a certain car or whatever to keep up this kind of image you know so uh, you know, I, I may read this book and I'm, I may talk about that some more sometime in one of our seminars because it's, uh, you know, it, it's interesting to know. Uh, that just shows you that, it, you know, being a millionaire is not that impossible. You know, it, it's really not that impossible. But well, I'm uh, sure I know in Shelford
2: quite a few, well, a millionaire at least.
0: Mm-hmm. But he doesn't dress
2: like it. He's got the money. Mm-hmm. And he's probably got a nice house mm-hmm. um, with a certain amount of ground round because he wants it and he can afford it. <coughs> but mm-hmm. it's certainly not a mansion with plenty of ground round it. It wouldn't enter Buckingham Palace. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he, he wouldn't wouldn't have thought like, oh I think I like that place, I'll buy that. Mm-hmm.
0: Because of its size and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that that's really mm-hmm. what this book is about, is to just to dispel a lot of myths yeah. about the way million most millionaires live.
3: And, and
0: what they do with their money. Yeah. Because like I said, these, you know, cele- so called celebrities, they got this image of just shop, 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 spin, spin, spin. And that's not the way most most millionaires give away yeah. lot of their to, money. They don't want to They give away a, a yeah. lot
2: of their money. They uh, don't want to bring themselves up to notice with their property. So that they get burgled, mm. or it just <laughs> may not be. They no. just may not have any interest. No, you know, no it just may mean, not interest that, them I mean, to live that. All right, if you've got a big car, and you know, and you, you you and you've got all these arts that you can going buy, you're only going to attract the wrong sort of people. Mm. So you you go into a smaller property, a normal normal life, and give you allows you to give more money away. Yeah, absolutely. The way they yeah, want yeah, it.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. It allows them to, oh. a, and that's, that's um, you know, I mean, the bigger your property, the, the more money you're spending on
0: upkeep, aren't you? Mm, mm. Mm. Uh, some of these people are trying to, uh, you know, they're trying to increase through debt, and interest interest payments are eating up their mm. prosperity. The Hebrew word for interest means to bite. Mm. To bite. Interest payments take a huge bite out of your increase. Mm. Talking about throwaway money, that's a that's a that's a good description of throwaway money, paying interest big interest rates. Did the changes. That is a huge amount of money that is not even being applied to the principle <coughs> of the loan. It's just money going in the lender's pocket. And that's how they make their money. That's how banks stay in business. These people need to rid themselves of their expensive toys and the thing, things that are eating up their increase. Eat out less, tighten their belt, and begin to practice stewardship. Now, this is a part of prosperity people don't like to hear. You know, especially if they're at the stage where they're just beginning to learn and they're, you know, they've gotten excited about hearing, you know, my circumstances can change, it's God's will to bless me, it's God's will to prosper me, you know, and they get excited uh, about it. But then when they begin to hear uh, this part, they don't necessarily enjoy it so much. They don't want to hear cut back, they don't want to hear give more, they don't want to hear practice patience, you know, necessarily. They just, you know, they come to a a few meetings like this or they read a few articles and they just want to hear how I can get all the things I want, do the least possible I can get away with as fast as possible. And some people, that's why a lot of them give up and quit because they they just, you know, um, they thought it was going to be instant and effortless. And this is not an instant effortless System, this is a get-there-and-stay-there system, process. God, uh, you know, God has to be first. Uh, I'm not interested in in play-acting like a big shot. I don't want pretend prosperity. I want the real thing. And God has to be first, and giving has to be a priority. God wants you to have the best and plenty of it. He didn't put abundance here for the drug dealers, but our priorities and motives have to be right. Uh, I heard Keith Moore say um, if someone comes to him and they want to talk to him about their finances and they're believing for prosperity and they want advice and so forth, (coughs) he says he doesn't even talk to them before they write down everything they owe everything that's coming in, and bring that with them when they come to talk to him. And I, I'm going to start putting that into practice because I believe more people are going to start coming to me. You know, they're... they're people are having problems. They're having problems in this area, and they want, uh, you know, the people that are serious about uh, curing the disease, which which is uh, a lack of knowledge uh, in this area. People that are really serious about their finances, I believe more people are going to be coming to me, and I think I'm going to put this into practice. We're not even going to talk to you list everything you owe, what whatever interest you're paying, you know how much is coming in, how much is going out, what's it going out on, and then we got an idea of what we're dealing with. And I think that's a, a very wise thing to do. That way, they're not wasting your time, you're not wasting their time. And, uh, you know, I, I think that's that's a wise thing to do. Um, many people who say they wanna prosper, they just want somebody to lay hands on them, rebuke the devil, and think everything's gonna be okay. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I mean. Some people, they really believe that that's all that's involved, you know. Uh, like I said, unfortunately, those are the kind of people that don't stick with it. And, and they're the ones that go off and say, well, I tried that and it didn't work, you know. And they start bad-mouthing the Bible and they start bad-mouthing, you know, these, these faith teaching uh, because they say, well, I tried that and it didn't work. Well, they, they probably did. Try it. But but, but there's but triers, yeah. Trying and doing Ooh. are two different things. And the triers are the people who start out and when it looks like nothing's happening and it looks like nothing's getting any better and nothing's changing, they're they're the ones that quit. The doers are the ones when it looks like nothing's happening and it looks like, you know, they're wasting their time, and nothing's, doesn't look like anything's ever going to change. They continue to believe anyway. They continue to give anyway. They just continue continuing. Those are the doers of the Word of God. And that's the difference between the triers and the doers. They don't realize that, that they have a part to play in this, and it's not just all up to God. Uh, there, We have a part to play. Now, uh, let's turn to Proverbs 27 again. We looked a lot at Proverbs today, but I tell you what, that's got some real treasure. About how to increase. Proverbs 27. Verse 23, be thou diligent to know the state of thy flocks and look well to thy herds. Now this is what we're talking about, sitting down, you know, people need to, to uh, sit down, take uh, stock of their, their finances, know what's in your account, what bills are coming in how much interest you're paying and so forth. Uh there are people that come up short every month of money and they don't even know where the money is going. And that's that's what it means here be diligent to know the state of thy flocks and to look well to thy herds because back in this day these were agriculture people they weren't dealing with bank accounts you know and credit cards and stocks and bonds and that kind of thing they were dealing with with flocks and herds and that's we we just need to apply that uh, to our situation today so for us it's not flocks and herds to us it's our bank account and our savings account and our spending and credit card and that kind of thing some people think they need more money coming in maybe they just need less going out you know (laughs) Uh, uh, look back a few pages, at least till they get things under control. You know, at least till they get control of their finances. Proverbs twenty-one twenty. There is treasure to be desired and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man spendeth it up. Sometimes we can be sitting on resources and be blind to them. I know the first very first job I had in London, working at a hospital there, and I had started out lodging with this lady just down the street from the hospital and after kind of a year, you know, I really began to want, you know, more privacy in a place of my own. You know, I'd always had a place of my own in America. You know, I had The first place I worked at had a really nice two-bedroom apartment, fireplace, tennis court, swimming pool, you know, really. Then then the last place I lived before I came here, I had a three-bedroom house, you know. And then to move from that to a little room about like this, you know, you get that, you know, after a while. So anyway, I moved into kind of what was a studio flat in a house. Um... And I didn't think it was that much more a week than what I was paying. But brother, I also didn't know what my paycheck turned out to be. Like I said, I took a huge, huge, huge pay cut. You know, they—they they, I had experience in America and I wound out here on trainee. They put me on trainee salary, which I had no idea they were gonna do. I thought they would take into account my experience and all that. They treated me like I was just a starter, you know. And my I mean when I looked at that paycheck, I thought, you gotta be kidding. I mean, I, I just my my heart just sank, you know. But anyway, I moved out to this what turned out to be a dump. Uh and uh but anyway, I was beginning to learn these things and I was listening to Brother Copeland's tapes and boy everything I learned I was I put it into practice. And um so uh I was, you know, beginning to get wisdom on these things. Well, I had been giving away my, once once a month, we were supposed to work on a Saturday. Well, I had been giving my Saturday away just because, you know, I just, eh, I'd rather have Saturday off, you know. And it occurred to me, like this verse, you know, we we, we can we can have resources right in front of us and not even know it. And I suddenly realized one day... We would get paid 40 pounds at that time for work in a Saturday morning, and I thought, I'm giving away 40 pounds to an unbeliever who's just going to take it to the pub and blow it in one night. 40 pounds is 40 pounds, and that, I ought, to be, that ought to be mine. So I woke up, and I said, I'm, I'm doing my Saturdays. Not only that, I made a deal with God. I said, Lord, not only will I, am not going to do my Saturdays, but all the other Saturdays that in the month that people don't want to work. If you bring those Saturdays to me, all that money, I will give, I'll give it all away. I won't keep any of it for myself. The, the one Saturday I'm supposed to work, I'll keep that money. But any other Saturdays people come to me and want to give it away, I'm going to give all that back to you. Well, boy, when I did that, here come the people. Barb, would you do my Saturday? I don't want to work next Saturday. Would you do my Saturday? Boy, here they started coming. Now, I've not only got my 40 pounds, I've got all these other people's 40 pounds, and now it's going to the kingdom of God instead of the pub. In addition to that, I thought, I'm getting out of this dump. Because I, I thought if, if, if I was living in a tent on Wandsworth Common, I couldn't have been any colder. I mean, that was a freezing oh, place. And I, I thought, if I can get into a smaller place, you know, not that I really want a smaller place, but a warmer place. I know I can keep one room warm, you know. <laughs> so anyway, I, I found uh, it was another studio flat, a, a little bit smaller, but it was, it was better much more comfortable and I could keep it warm. I, I was never cold there, praise God. So just those two decisions, instantly my situation began to improve because I saved 25 pounds a week on my rent by moving. So I'm, I'm automatically 100 pounds a month better off just with saving rent. Now I've got all these other people Saturdays I'm doing I think I had one Saturday a month off. But I did like three Saturdays a month. Now I got seed to sow. That's seed to sow. So now I'm, I got more seed to sow. Now I got, you know, mm. uh, uh, I'm going to be reaping from that. So just those two decisions, I began to quite quickly begin to increase. And that was just the wisdom, you know, that God gave me. And, and people said... At that time, I mean, you know, this has been a while now, but at that time, you could get, uh, I paid, that second studio flat I went into, I only paid 46 pounds a week. Mm. And there were people in my department, and I would overhear them talking. No way can you find a, a studio flat in London for even for 50 pounds a week. And I said, I did. I found, God got me one for, four, I paid 46 pounds a week rent. Uh, and like I said, it, it, was, it was better than, than where I had been living. So, uh, you know, but now I'm not living in 40 pounds a week place anymore. Amen. I got the best place I've ever lived in hallelujah oh, cool. and it's all because of what I'm talking to you about I'm not in my dream house yet but I'm on the way amen and where I am is absolutely perfect it, it is absolutely just the most peaceful wonderful place it's just the only it's just not mine but you know I'm I'm on my way amen and praise God I've, now i can help i can help other people not only do i have the nicest place i've ever had to live i i've got i'm in a position where i can help other people so you can't just fly by the seat of your pants Uh, some people are loose lax and undisciplined and that's another word some people don't like to hear is discipline Mm -hmm. you know discipline is just the opposite of impulse buying And that can oftentimes get people overextended. Living by faith is not an undisciplined life, just flying by the seat of your pants. Faith is based on a solid foundation, uh, and you can't have faith for something when you don't even know what's going on in your finances. We've all made dumb mistakes, and God has been merciful and got us out of our ignorance, but He requires stewardship and expects us to get in the word and begin to operate according to his principles. So, you know, sometimes people just, they just have to have a miracle to get out of the situation they're in. And many times God will give them a miracle just to get them out, you know, quickly out of that situation. But then he expects them to get on the word and begin to learn these principles and begin to increase and not just live, from miracle to miracle and crisis to crisis you know um, we, we we got to uh, begin to establish ourselves in these principles so sit down and get things written on paper tighten up loose ends and don't get sloppy know what's coming in what's going out how much if any interest is being paid in Proverbs 10:4 it says, "He becometh poor that dealeth with a slack hand, but the hand of the diligent maketh rich." That's Proverbs 10, verse 4. Once you know what's going on in your finances, then you are in a position to cut out the waste. God expects us to be good stewards even in the small things. He wants us to be liberal but not wasteful. What you don't waste, you have to give. And that's what that's what I realized in that work situation. I was giving away my seed. Which which was, you know, didn't look like it to me. I wasn't aware of it, but God had when when I because of these principles in the Word, I saw. I'm giving away my seed to somebody else who's just going to blow it. Uh, is isn't there a saying here, something about if you watch the pennies, the pounds will take, take care, care of themselves, themselves yeah. or something yeah. like that? Yeah. yeah. Well, that's pretty much what yeah. we're talking yeah. about. That's kind of another way of talking about stewardship. Uh, this doesn't mean that you're stingy and tight. It just means you're a good steward. When it is time to give, be liberal, uh, but just don't blow it and waste it. Be, uh, a big part of being a good steward is being led by the Holy Spirit, knowing when to buy, when not to buy. You know, don't get this now, there's something better coming. Uh, you know, now these people have these tablets. You know, they're very popular, and they, you know, the iPad first came out, and, I mean, there's some people, they've got every iPad that's ever been made. You know, I mean, yeah. they, they get one, and they had not even had it six months, and they get the next one that comes out, and, you know, I don't really get it, but uh, those are just these people. They've got to have the latest thing or something, but, well, out, aren't they? I, I put it off for a long time, you know, I, I kept researching and researching. I'm one of these people, when I go to buy something, you can rest assured it has been researched and researched and researched and and analyzed before I do it, you know. I do my homework, and uh, so I, you know, I could see that the price was coming down Mm -hmm. in them, you know, and every six months they would improve. Something, you know. So I, so I just kept biding my time, waiting to see what was coming out. I looked in America last year. The one I wanted, every time I'd go in Walmart, they had just sold out. They didn't know if they'd be getting any more. I'd go back in, but we had one, but we've already sold it. And it turned out I didn't get it. And I, I wasn't upset about it. You know, I, I it, like, like this, you know, uh, uh, something better will come. So I just, you know bided my time. When I went this year, uh, they had come out with another one very similar to what I had looked at last year, same, I think, company makes the insides of it. Um, and it's even better in some ways than the other one was. And I got it for less than, uh, ninety, less than a hundred pounds. I guess maybe ninety pounds. And it's, 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 has like five-star rating by which magazine you know so it's Uh really good so just by being patient and doing my homework and and you know say no I'm not going to buy now I'm going to wait I wound up getting the latest deal and it only cost me like 90 pounds you know so just you know that that's just being uh, you know it's just using wisdom and being led by the Holy Spirit uh, you know, how do you know you need to cut back on this or that or do more of something else? Just be being led by the Holy Spirit. This is the opposite of impulse buying and being led by the desires of the flesh. If we wait on the Holy Spirit, He will get us a good deal. And that's, that's basically what, what happened to me. Sometimes people just move too fast, but God knows where the deals are. Wait until you know it is right. Then you know you are following God. Uh, pray and wait on God and he will show us, you know, you need to stop doing this or you need to get rid of that. This is too expensive. It's, it's you know, it's uh, cutting into your increase, you know, get rid of it for now, later when you can afford it, you know, buy another one. But th- this is the wisdom of God. Isaiah forty eight seventeen says, Thus saith the Lord thy Redeemer, the holy one of Israel, I am the Lord thy God, which teacheth thee to profit, which leadeth thee by the way that thou shouldest go. Doesn't that pretty much sum up everything we've said today? Yeah. He teaches mm-hmm. us to profit. And he leads us by the Holy Spirit in the way that we should go. It's God's will that we profit. I mean, the, the, that was a whole story about the, the, the parable of the stewards and the talents. God expected them to profit. Yeah. And that's what's so amazing to me. These uh, people with these poverty mentalities and even people just satisfied where they are, you know. Like I said earlier, there are people that didn't come today because they're not struggling financially and they think that's all this is about is just helping people, you know, who are struggling, which I am. But, but it's not just, you know, God God's expects everybody to be increasing and there's always another level that we can, that, that we can obtain. Uh, it's not enough to just make confessions and even to sow. We need to let God lead us and teach us the right way to go. Let's say this together God is leading me. God is leading me. As I give, men are going to give to me. People are always giving me things. So just make that a regular confession. You're, you're confessing according to your sowing. You know, if you regularly give, you're going to regularly receive. Things are going to come to you through people. We need to know how to believe. You need to believe that as you are a giver, God is dealing with people to give to you. So when God deals with you to give, you just obey Him. And as you are obedient to do that, then men will give unto you. You have to believe that God's dealing with people, but you don't tell Him who to deal with, where to deal, or how or when to deal with them. Amen? Mm. (laughs) You don't tell Him how to do it. You just believe that he's dealing with people to give to you. Amen? Mm. It's like you said you gave that ten pounds to Benny Hen mm. and, and God began to deal with your son <laughs> about giving you a thousand pounds. Yeah. Mm. Now what if you hadn't given that ten? I know. Probably nothing. You know, because there was God didn't have anything to work with. But you he works with faith. And when mm. you take that 10 pounds in faith, you, you know, God had faith, now he's got faith to work with. And he began to deal with your son, unbeknown to you and unbeknown to him that you had even given the 10 pounds. Uh, now he began to work uh, on him. It's so, same the same as the, um, my
1: son and daughter that are helping support us now. Um we are taking the tenth from that and sending it to Guatemala. Mm-hmm. And Guatemala, they are spending it on the children. Mm-hmm. And um, so that... And that's why my son and daughter are getting more and more. Yeah. Because we've got Guatemala that's in, in the picture as well. So and and they don't know anything about that. Oh mm-hmm. no! Mm-hmm. But God, but God is dealing with them in that area. Hmm. You know, we we were very much like you were, and like Gloria was when she was cooking her best. It was in the coffee pot. Yeah, yeah. Because mm-hmm. she didn't have anything to mm-hmm. cook with. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then we just. I suppose we had property spirits, and accepted the fact that we didn't have anything. You know, we just could barely get by. And then all of a sudden, my son and then my daughter followed, started sending us money every month. And it's become a regular thing now for several years. Mm-hmm. And we had never complained to them about our mm-hmm. lack of money. Mm-hmm. But God showed them on that area, you know, to do that for us. Mm-hmm. And then He's prospered them more and more so that they they can do other great things.
0: Mm-hmm. Amen. Praise God. It, it works for the unbeliever. That, yeah. I mean, that's what's so amazing. You know christians say well i tried that it didn't work or they don't they're not even interested in it it works for unbelievers it works for whosoever it's a law yeah. it's it's a law is the the difference is that the um you know unbelievers don't know it's in the bible they don't know it's a bible principle but they're yeah. generous people that again that 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 is a characteristic that every prosperous, successful person have, they are generous. And even a lot of unbelievers are very generous people. And they're, they just increase and increase and increase. Hallelujah. Uh, I heard Brother Copeland say one time he was believing for something. And God's, God spoke to him and he said, hold on to your faith. I have already spoken to a thousand people and not one of them have heard me. So that's why we just have to keep on keeping on, amen. We just have to believe that God is doing something behind the scenes, and if he has to go to 1,500 to find somebody that'll obey him, he will do it, amen.
3: That's his uh, praying for your jet plane, wasn't it? I
0: think so, yeah, yeah the, one of his planes.
3: Yeah, what's, what's the latest one?
0: Citation.
3: Yeah, Citation 100, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: I can't do that. We haven't got space for it.
0: <laughs> well, you could build a hanger for it. You wouldn't have any trouble. You wouldn't have any trouble with that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Lord told Brother Hagen, I'm not opposed to my people being rich. I'm opposed to them being covetous. And people can be covetous and be broke. People can be poor and be covetous. As a matter of fact, it's probably a lot more common in poor people, you know, than, than uh, wealthy people. Wanting what somebody else has, you know, jealous of what other people have, uh, you know, uh, always coveting something. That, that's a sign of a lot of poor people, you know. Um, it, it's, that's not something that's just common with rich people. Um so you can get ahead, lose it all tomorrow by making wrong decisions or getting hooked up with the wrong people, but we are led by the Holy Spirit in addition to tithing and sowing, uh in order to prosper amen mm-hmm. hallelujah but follow sorry mm-hmm. let's just stop you a second and who ask you know, who is brother brother H- Hagen? Hagen. Uh, Brother Kenneth Hagen, Uh he passed away a couple of years ago, but he was uh, a very prominent uh, teacher of, of Bible faith back in the 1960s and 70s and 80s. Hmm. But he, he began to uh, teach, restore uh, the teaching of uh, how to live by faith and how to walk by faith according to the Bible and and the principles that govern faith. Uh, Not, he didn't teach that much on prosperity but he was primarily how to live by faith. Uh, But it was his teaching that
1: taught Kenneth and Gloria.
0: Yeah. Out of his ministry have come other ministries Mm. teaching Mm. prosperity and faith and so he, he started out with little groups of people like this mm. and, uh, and, and people be- began to come here and really, and they were Christians and they'd just never been taught. They, they were like me. They just didn't know. Mm. And, and they began to learn these principles uh, of Bible faith and their circumstances begin to change and they went into the ministry and now they're teaching Mm. People all over the world the same principles. But Brother Hagen was the one who, uh, and he's had a lot of criticism. I mean, you'll you'll hear people say a lot of bad things about him. But oh my word, praise God, he mm. he, uh, you know, he, I, I so admire people like that. They just took the stick. They took criticism. People criticize them and. Uh, but I mean he is his teaching has just changed the lives of so many people and and through him brother Copeland Ministry came and it's pretty much through brother Copeland that I learned what I learned. I, I have some of brother Hagen's books You probably
3: yeah, do uh,
0: Oh, he's got lots of books. Yeah. I've got one or two many books there in my case I don't have any of his books here with me today, but I uh, you know, you can get them online. There's a place here called Faith Builders, I think, in Cheshire, and they keep his books. Mm -hmm. Um, so, uh, but yeah, he was a great teacher. Uh, and, and so he, he, he was, uh, he started a, a a Bible training center in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and, and now, students from all over the world you know. There was
3: an explosion of yeah. wonder. there, oh, Roberts, Kenneth Hagan,
0: uh, T.L. Osborne, yeah, yeah <coughs> lots of, lots of good teachers and evangelists came out of Tulsa. Mm-hmm. Um,
3: See we were very fortunate, like you, on the, coming up the, very, the time we did,
0: mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. we had the opportunity to, to listen to T.L. Osborne, to listen oh, to. Yeah. Right what's he called, old Roberts and...
0: Charles Caps.
3: Yeah, mm-hmm. and Kenneth and all those people. Mm-hmm. So fortunate to be in that yeah. movement.
0: Yeah, yeah.
3: Richard Roberts came to a place in Norwich. And we were yeah. invited to go see him, spend the day with him. She stood there in this room waiting for him to come in. He walked through the door and she hit the floor so fast he never even saw I
1: went went down so fast just as he walked in the door he didn't lay hands on me or anything. Wow. Mm. And then the anointing it went from my feet. Boom, 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 boom. Ouch. Part of the way through. <laughs> wow. It was absolutely fabulous. Wow. That was the first I'd ever experienced of such like a good that.
3: preacher. We found these people up we knew Richard Roberts was in.